Oh yeah, the runway is empty and we are clear for takeoff. Welcome to that Good Good Experience podcast, a show where related minds talk about related interests in music, culture, and more. Join me, Marcus, along with Kimmy and Byron as we take you on a ride. You may want to buckle up, there's some turbulence ahead. And again, we've landed safely. Welcome to the Good Good, everybody. I'm Marcus Moses, along with my cousin co-host, Kimmy Brown. What's up, world? Kimmy Brown here, and along with our other co-host, Mr. Byron B. Note Brown. What's up, fam? What's up, world? It's a pleasure to be here. And again, we're continuing the momentum. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back for our fifth, if I'm not mistaken, episode. And it doesn't get any bigger than this. We have another uh, brand new, excuse me, another celebrity guest with us today. Our lead singer of the Manhattans, Mr. Gerald Austin, is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Very nice, Byron. I like that. <laughs> He's in the building. We're going to be kicking with him. Uh, on this episode of the What's Good Good, we've got the Good Good podcast. Uh, but before we get into that, as always, we got to let you know, everybody know what's good good in the world of music and more. And Byron, what's good good, buddy? What's good good? Well, Rihanna is what's good good. Rihanna recently presented volume three of her Savage X Fenty show, showcasing the latest offerings from her fashion line. The show, which can be viewed on Amazon Prime, featured a diverse cast of models and dancers from different races, genders, sexual orientations, and body types, with noteworthy performances and appearances by Erica Badu, Nas, Ricky Martin, Normani, Jade Nova, and Bia, as well as Rihanna herself. Cindy Crawford was also making an appearance. Jasmine Sullivan performed as well. And it was just one of those grand events. And also, what's good, good, the whispers. New music alert, you're all. The Whispers, new album coming October 15th. It's been a long time. That's what's good, good. What's good, good, Kimberly? Let me tell you what's good, good. Tell them what's good, Hold good, Kim. On <laughs> to your britches, y'all. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack have confirmed the release date for their debut Silk Sonic album. And even with Silk Sonic, it's coming out officially on November 12th. The album will feature Bootsy Collins as special guest host, including the singles Leave the Door Open and Skate, as well as the Silk Sonic intro. So I know we all heard in August that it may be January, but it will be November 12th. Be ready. Be ready. Also, what's good, good, Wu-Tang American Saga, the series highlights how Bobby Diggs, a.k.a. the RZA, tries to unite rivals to eventually rise to become one of the most successful rap groups of all time. Season two has already started. Please check them out on Hulu. Season two, it is phenomenal. Also, what's good, good is Red Hot Chili Peppers. The Los Angeles-born rock band Red Hot Chili Peppers announced a 32-stadium summer 2022 tour across the US, UK, and Europe this week, featuring huge guests including Beck, Thundercat, Anderson Pack, and a host of others. So, Marcus, what's good, good on your end? You better believe it. What's good, good on this end? We got to pay homage to the hometown, Blakely, Georgia, where this podcast roots uh, derived from. Uh, two artists, 
uh, Mannequin Fly. He was able to make an appearance on the BET Hip Hop Awards. His uh, album Lemon Pepper is available on all streaming platforms, along with Trevor Backup, excuse me, Trevor Backup Page Price. His single Done With You is available on all streaming platforms. They've had over 100,000 streams. Again, big shout out to the hometown people doing their thing. And also, can't forget, on October 17th on Triller, one of the biggest verses of all time, the great one, hip-hop royalty, will be in the building. Big Daddy Kane versus KRS-One, only available on Triller for the verses. Again, it doesn't get much bigger than that. October 17th is the day. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I told you we got a special guest in the building. This man, his career spans a over 40 years, you may know him as the lead singer of the Manhattans who brought us such hits such as Let's Just Kiss and Say Goodbye, Shining Star, along with others. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the good, good, none other than Mr. Gerald Austin. How you doing, Mr. Austin? I am doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, look, uh, I think you told me you just got back from a cruise. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, we did a Latin cruise from, uh, it was a three-day cruise, October uh, 1st through the 4th. And um, we cruised down to Ensenada, and it was a wonderful cruise, and it was just a nice way to ease back into performing. It, you know, it was just great. The, all the fans were, the, were great. Um, we had a chance to mingle and, and meet different people on the ship, um, but, and it was wonderful. It was relaxing, and uh, we just had a wonderful time. Absolutely. How's your Spanish now? <laughs> absolutely so let's so uh gerald we we've seen the unsung documentary and pretty much tells uh he tells you know somewhat the story part of the story of your life let us hear out it from your words uh tell us about gerald austin uh humble beginnings where you're from and how you got into the music business well i am originally from henderson north carolina and um i was my my there were two people that inspired my life in singing, and one as a three people, and one as a mentor. Um, well, I can say all three were my mentors. My father, um, the late John Reverend John Alston, and um, my uncle, the late Johnny Fields, one of the founding members of the Five Blind Boys of Alabama, and the late great Sam Cooke. Mm -hmm. And um, my my father and my uncle, growing up. Uh, inspired us, inspired me by teaching me to sing from my heart, sing what I believe, and and not sing just what I like, but sing songs that have meaning, and sing them from the heart, and and deliver them from the heart. Basically, know the song, know the song, not just lyrically, but know the story of the song. Mm. And um, then my uncle Johnny's oldest son. And I started singing together. We were like six and seven years old. And um, we, as we, you know, we sang all through elementary school. And then finally in high school, we put together a group called Gerald Alston and the New Imperials. And we were on Friday and Saturday, we were Gerald Alston and the New Imperials. On Sunday, we were the Gospel Jubilee. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's interesting how most of the um, R&B groups, that's the way they start. Exactly. That's how they, they're successful because they have that start. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And the way that I got into the business 
with my last, my first year of college, um, I, I was in class and one of my professors, she asked me, she said, do you mind if the Manhattans use your sound equipment they're performing here tonight? And it was like a pickup date for the group. And they came through and they, I said, went, I went home, got my uh, sound system, brought it back and set it up. And um, I started singing, um, darling, oh, when we get married, we'll have a big celebration. And they heard me sing. Wow. And so they walked in and there was the late Blue Lovett, Kenneth Kelly and Richard, uh, manager at that time, and uh, a stand-in for the lead singer. His name was Philip Terrell. Unbeknown to me, the lead singer was sick, and he was still traveling. But anyway, they heard me sing, and they asked me to open the show, and I opened the show with that particular song. And they took my name and address, and they left there. And unfortunately, George Smith, the original lead singer, illness turned for the worst. Right. They had to take him home on the next day from right. Greensboro. And they called me and flew me down and let me know they needed me. And they flew me down to Dallas, Texas. And I watched the Manhattans perform with the Supremes for 10 days. Mm. And then I came back wow. and rehearsed about two weeks. And that was exactly this October 21st would be 51 years ago. Amazing. Wow. Wow. I have wow. a question. Sure. Did you ever finish college? No, I did not. And that's one thing that I truly would like to, to stress. You know, college isn't from, for everyone because, there, you know, you may want to do something technical, like go to technical school or be an entrepreneur, you know, but you still need to get the education. I would not advise anybody to stop if they have an education or in the midst of an education to stop what they're doing and go there. I would advise you to finish your education, study and learn the business, learn a little bit about music, because I think had I done that, it would have been a lot easier for me, but it was in my destiny and with God's plan. And he watched over me. You had to take it. Yeah. And he watched over me and he made it possible for me to last all these years and mm -hmm. get through this. But I would advise any upcoming artist to get an education, learn the business, um, learn as much as you can about music, and keep God first. Mark? Great advice. Yeah. Perfect advice. Very good. Now, another question. Are you the nephew of Shirley Austin Reeves from the Shirelles? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I spoke to Shirley about a month ago. And um, and I was telling her, I always get that question. I always get that question. But when we were growing up, Shirley left Henderson before um, I really knew much about her. Shirley left with the Shirelles. And um, Shirley used to live directly. Her family lived directly behind my grandmother. And I used to go walk out my back door, straight, straight out the backyard, down that little path, and right to the street that she lived on. Absolutely. So the name the Manhattans, um, I'm assuming it came from uh, 
the town in New York City. But uh, was it was it a trip that you guys took to Manhattan that inspired uh, the group to come up with the name? Or how did the name come about? Well, you know, the, the group is originally from Jersey City, New Jersey. And um, the Manhattans used to have, the logo was the cross cane, cat hat, top hat, and white gloves. And the, it was associated with the dream, Manhattan. Mm. And, you know, as, as time passed, we realized that wasn't a good image that we don't wanna, wanted to, to portray to the young people. So we kept the name Manhattans and changed the image and decided to use the Manhattan city skyline and all to, um, you know, to change that image. And it has been a great thing since we did that. All right, all right. Now, Barbara, did you have a question? Yeah, I, w I wanted to know, what do you think attributed to the success, the, the, the huge, huge success that you all experienced in 1980? You, the group had been around since the early 70s, but in the 1980, you had this major, major breakthrough, crossover hit, uh, Shining Star. And um, you, know, you man, had already had a major hit, Kissing Goodbye, but uh, <clears throat> what do you think attributed to that? Yeah. at that particular point? Um, it was, it, it started from the beginning. It started back in the 70s when we, when we signed with Columbia Records. We, had, we hired an independent promotion gentleman by the name of Bob Riley. And um, Bob took us, he, he told us from the beginning, said, listen, fellas, you can, get there, you can have the world, world's largest company but you got to sell yourself. And we were with the world's largest company, Columbia Records, and they were, they were investing in us, but we still had to prove ourselves. So he would have us play. We did the Chitlin circuit. In fact, it was before Columbia Records. We would start a king when we met Bob. And we did the Chitlin circuit. We played all over the South, places like Cordell, Georgia, Thomasville, Georgia, Macon, Georgia, oh. and we played all these small places. There are nice venues there now, but we played the little clubs and um, we would go out and work. We would travel seven days and work six days. Mm -hmm. And we went to those places and um, he taught us that if you go to those places, down the road it'll pay off. And it paid off with There's No Me Without You. Yeah. And later on, it really paid off with Kiss and Say Goodbye. And we played, um, it just showed us that the hard work and playing for those people who couldn't afford to pay the big, real big money to come to see us. You know, they were paying $5, $6 to get into our show. And we do two shows, sometimes three shows. And um, when Kiss and Say Goodbye was released, those same small cities, which, and the small radio stations, independent stations that played our record, they played it so much until they forced the major stations to play it. They had to play it. People were calling and requesting it. I'm just giving you the long story. And, oh, that's fine. You're good. You're good. And they, You're good. You know, they played our music. And from there, it came, it moved up to Kiss and Say Goodbye. Um, over six weeks on the number one R&B charts. And... When we played, we used to tour with James Brown. Mm. And we played with James 
at the um, Brave Stadium in Atlanta. For a few years, we used to do it every year with him. He did it on Labor Day. And we found out that there were busloads of people that came from Tallahassee, Thomasville, Cordell, Macon, um, all the surrounding areas came to see us perform with James Brown. And, and it attributed to us being there for them and coming down and playing those small clubs and, and being humble to them, shaking hands. We would have autograph sessions. I remember one year we were in Georgia and we went to this radio, this um, uh, record store to meet and greet people and sign autographs. They didn't believe that we were coming. So the promoter put on our record and had us stand in the window and sing. And people, wow. when they saw us, they identified us on the album and the store was jam packed with people. And the wow. venue that night was sold completely out. And you know, that's something that you don't get today with artists, but um, you know, we would get up at six o'clock in the morning to make the morning drive. Uh, uh, we've gone to two or three states in one day to make radio stations and sign autographs and perform. These are the things that made us who we are today. And we didn't have um, 10 or 12 big hits. Like when I say hits, number ones. You know, there were a lot of artists that just about everything they released at one time was a hit. But we went up and down, up and down, the steady going up the pole, up the, you know, scale. And what made us we found out that in Billboard, that out of all those groups that had groups that had the number one hits and the big hits, we had more charted records than any of them. And having more charted records was just as good or better than financially, it wasn't better than having hit records. But on, and then again, in, in comparison, it may have been because we had the charted records, we worked more. And um, people remembered us because we were performed in different cities. We had to sing three to five songs off of an album. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at one time in our shows. So even to this very day, we pray, perform at places. It's very difficult for us to do songs of today, maybe mm -hmm. add one or two. But we have to sing basically all of our songs all the time because of that. Um, of having that many songs charted. And it's a blessing. It's a total blessing. And that's where it all started from. And that's why the Manhattans have been in existence 59 years. Wow. wow. I didn't think you were around for that long. But let's listen to There's No Me Without You so we get to remind our fans, your fans, of your brilliance. Thank you. There's no life without a plan Every woman wants herself a good man There's no heartaches without tears And time just can't go by without the years 
without you. That's I can't big. imagine Manhattan's without you. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you my know, wife. song is, is like our theme song to all of you, to radio. And, you know, a lot of times artists don't give the credit to the stage crews that comes in and set up early in the morning and leave late at night. Mm. setting up the stage, making sure your equipment is right, the lighting is right. And so to radio, to your podcast, to all of our fans, we always take a moment and dedicate this to you because wow. we could not exist without all of you. And that's wow. why that is our theme song. Wow. We're a part of it, Marcus. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I was about to say, if my wife was here, she'd be shedding tears <laughs> right now, because that's the song her father would sit her down and he would, he would literally sit down and sing that song to her. And whenever he would come down and visit, he still does that, that particular mm -hmm. song right there. He sings it to his daughter. So it's, it has a lot of meaning. And we, we really appreciate your contribution, not just to music, but to the culture. And we're just so blessed to have you in our presence today. You know, um, when you played that, and it often happens, I remember I remember rehearsing that song in my manager's office in 1971. I remember recording that song at Sigma Sound, Sigma Sound at 212, I think it was on Race Street. Wow. March, somewhere like that. And, and we recorded that song. And I remember Earl Young, the, the drummer for the Tramps, Bobby Eli, uh, Love Won't Let Me Wait. You know, Norman Harris, um, oh my God, Bobby uh, Baker, Robert Baker, all these musicians, MFSB, that's who was playing. And then when that song took off, the CBS had their international convention in San Francisco, and they themed the name of the CBS convention was. Uh, there's no me without you. That was the theme. Wow. And we had the opportunity to sing that song on stage live with MFSB. Wow. So, oh my God. It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, Gerald, we're going to get to the playlist in just a minute, but we need you to help us settle something right okay. quick before we get into something. Uh, now, the documentary talks about how you guys helped Regina Bell launch her career. Oh, yeah. But it also, it also said that she was actually a member of the Manhattan. So was she a member of the Manhattan well, or was she not? I can say yes. Um, we had a song. See, Byron? <laughs> you know, Regina is family. And, you know, you know, um, at first it was an addition, but once we got in, she got in the group, she was a sister and, and family, and she became a member. I remember, um, I got to tell you this little story. Regina, we had a song called Don't Say No to Love. And it was actually, the vocal uh, was done by a young lady, B.J. Nelson. And B.J. Nelson is a hell of a singer. But B.J. was traveling and she couldn't come on the road. So we auditioned. Uh, singers and uh, so we auditioned different ladies and we had one that we had thought was this she made it she, she's got it and then we got a call from the late Vaughn Hopper from WBLS in New York quiet storm storm man and he said Blue keep rehearsal going I'm on the way 
you got to hear this lady. And he brought Regina Bell in. And Regina was a, always been a quick learner. She walked in. The band struck up Don't Say No to Love. And she owned that mm. song. She took that song to the next level. And we literally had to call the other lady and tell her, we got somebody. <laughs> but the young lady understood. And, um, you know, um, and that was the beginning of, of, the, of the career professionally with Regina. And Regina uh, is awesome singer. In fact, we'll be performing together for Embrace the Girls on December the 5th in, at Dana Beach, at Dana Beach Casino. And Regina and I will be performing our duet, Where Do We Go Wrong? So wow. I'm looking forward to that. And looking forward to seeing her again. It's been a while. Absolutely. Do you mind if I play you and Regina Bell singing right now? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect together. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That was produced. Thank you. That was produced by Bobby Womack. Wow. And could see us in the studio. <laughs> oh my God. We were in the studio um, right outside of Los Angeles. Oh God, I can't think of the name of the studio. And I remember watching her sing that song. And we both did it individually. And then we went in together and we sang the ending of it together. Um, it, and, and, you know, it just made our voices meshed. We had, we both, Regina sings from the heart. She brings it from the heart every time. And that's the way that I sing. So when we got, when we recorded it, it just fell into place. It was mm -hmm. just fell into place. Okay. And I just played that song this morning. <laughs> so we... <laughs> So everything, everything, everything is just coming together perfectly, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> as always, as it should. Before we get into our playlist, I did, I did have a question. You touched on it briefly. So when performing your hits like Shining Star, Kiss and Say Goodbye, you know, you had this extended longevity. Yeah. So what enters your mind every time you perform, you step on, step on stage to perform these songs? What comes to your mind? Well, first of all, when I go on stage for the past 51 years, this is mm. when I in August, in what in this month, the past 51 years, I'm nervous. Mm. And I have to what? get through the first song. And once I get through the first song, you know, I don't take it for granted, oh, I got it, because I mess up. Anytime you walk on stage and say, oh, I got this thing, you can rest assured something is not going to go right within you. The audience may not know it but you know it. But when, when I sing songs, different songs, I can remember 
as we were speaking here, I go back to the place where I wrote them. And a lot of times, a lot of times, which is most of the time, I should say, I get a feeling from the audience. It's like they're waiting for it. Their, their spirit, it like from them, their energy just touched me. And, and it makes me want to sing every song on 10, 12, which I know I can't. But it makes me give everything that I got. And I get such a wonderful feeling. Such a wonderful feeling. And again, when I sing There's No Me Without You, it um it that that's the icing on the cake, you know. Um Shining Star, you mentioned when um I remember the day Blue brought Kiss and Say Goodbye and played it for me. And Blue played piano. And he walked in and he had called me and said, Come into rehearsal early. I got in rehearsal early and he said at the piano said, sing this. It's gonna hurt me, I can't lie. Maybe you meet another guy. Please, darling, don't you cry. Let's just kiss and say goodbye. And that was it. And we recorded that song. And then we did Shining Star, the late Leo Graham. Uh, he sang it and and um, he sent me, we sent us the song and the minute we heard him sing, honey, you are my shining star, don't you go away. The sing-along captured us. The sing-along captured wow. us. And wow. to me, when I first heard it, I knew, I said, this is it. The other guys, they heard it, they liked the hook but didn't catch them right at the moment. But I could feel it. I knew what I could do with the song instantly. And um, we got to Chicago and recorded it. And um, it was like, wow. It was history. We got the Grammy for it. But, it, you know, that's just the way it come to you. You know, it, you things you think that may not be the one, Turn out to be the one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but Gerald, we're gonna have to bring you back one day and just let you tell us a whole bunch of stories. Oh, I can sit <laughs> I, 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 I all day. I, 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 I really, I would love that. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to schedule for another time, and we're just gonna let you tell stories. But we got to get into the music. Okay. Uh, right now, um, how this works here on the Good Good, we have a theme, and our theme this week, uh, especially for you, is um, our favorite. R&B songs by a group or duo. And again, we're glad to have you on. And we're going to start off with a couple of songs from your playlist. Okay. Uh, Kim, Kim, what you got first? Well, one of Gerald's favorites and my favorite, I love me some Marvin Gaye. And this will be Heard It Through the Grapevine. Marvin Gaye's over Gladys Knight and the Pips version? That's hard. That's very difficult. <laughs> and I've worked with both of them and I've seen both of them do it. 
but I I did Marvin Gaye's last tour. And even though he was going through a rough time in his life, that man came on stage and performed flawlessly every night for that whole summer. We toured with him the whole summer. And a quick story, Marvin Gaye was in the airport. We were in Rochester. I never had a big head one time. Oh. <laughs> and walked up to me and she said, may I get your autograph? I said, sure. She said, oh my God, is that Marvin Gaye? I said, sure. She said, do you think he'll give me your autograph? His autograph? I said, we can walk down there and see. So I walked down there and I'll never forget Marvin had on his uh, royal blue suit with a, a, a straw hat. It was, he was clean. He was passing. <laughs> and I walked up to him. I said, Marvin, I'm Gerald. He said, I know exactly who you are. He said, you're one of the greatest singers I've seen. My head knocked the walls down. <laughs> <in> Rochester. <laughs> I bet it did. Coming wow. from Marvin Gaye? From Marvin. Wow. Oh, wow. my God. And, and the guys knew Marvin. They had worked with him many times before. And they told me that he was a guy that would tell you what he really felt. If he thought that of you, he would say it. If he didn't, he wouldn't say nothing at all. You know. And when he said that, my chest and my head was big as all outdoors. <laughs> yes. Now, the song was written by the great Norman Whitfield, Motown Records, back in 1966. Again, it was released in 1967 for Gladys Knight and the Pips uh, in 1968 for Marvin Gaye. Now, did Norman Whitfield write any songs for you guys, Gerald? No, not at that time. No, he okay. was he was definitely with Motown. He was all in. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Uh, also, the song was named to Rolling Stones, 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. It peaked at number 80, the 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. And of course, it made the top of the charts, the R&B charts, uh, the Hot 100. Mm -hmm. uh, a great song. Again, uh, one of uh, Gerald Austin's favorite songs, Marvin Gaye, I Heard Through the Grapevine. All right. So what's next, Kemby? Uh, since we started talking about Gladys Knight and the Pips, let's move on over to Neither One of Us Wants to Say Goodbye. Now, now check this out. Now, I want to see if, if, if y'all agree with this. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> that, that goodbye is the first and only time it's mentioned in the song at that particular moment. Is that true? Because it seems like I remember hearing the word goodbye early in the song. It's wants to be the first to say goodbye. Ooh, I kept dreaming. It's, um, no, it's, it, maybe the way it's said when she say goodbye on the end, 
but it's it's in the song in the end of the verse. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And okay, so um, we recorded that. Yeah, you say we recorded neither one of us. Um, oh, really? And you know, real quick, real quick, real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, 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 go ahead. Go. It was it was difficult to choose these songs because I had a pleasure of touring with Gladys like we did with Marvin Gaye. And everything that Gladys and the Pips sang during that era and the stuff that she sang now was like me. <laughs> I love Gladys Knight. And she could sing the, she could sing, uh, the, the funny papers. You know, she can pick up the newspaper, start singing that, and it's all right with me. She's awesome. She, uh -huh. awesome. she is. She really is. She, she was one of my inspirations during when I first got in the group as well. And this song won a Grammy Award for Best Vocals in 1974, uh, mm -hmm. released in 1972, reached number one in the Soul Charts, peaked at number two in the top 100, only behind of all songs. Check it out. Vicky Lawrence's "Nights Went Out," the nights the lights went out in Georgia. <laughs> of all, <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? What can you say? Exactly, exactly. But a great song indeed. Have you ever? You say you toured. Have you ever toured or performed with uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips? We toured so many times together. In fact, um, I think it was a couple of years ago we worked with her in Virginia and. In Norfolk area, and um, she still got it going on. She's on the almost growing on her feet. She come out there and she bring it every single time. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, that was last night. Neither one of us again released in 1972. And uh, Kimmy, I think we're gonna go to one of ours now. Uh, one of our playlists. But wait. But wait. Okay. But wait. There's more. Okay. The thing is, I have to go with the flow. You know. Go right and ahead. You know what Go right ahead. one of us reminds me of? Go ahead. Let's just kiss and say goodbye. Oh. <laughs> 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 Now, you know they remind you classic, of you. Classic, classic. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, Kim. Now, now, Mr. Gerald, you mentioned at the top of the program that, you know, when you sing, your father and your uncle told you you have to know the song. Mm -hmm. Not just lyrically, you have to know the song. So my question is, what was going on uh, during this time when you guys uh, recorded this song to make you know the song? Well, first of all, I knew what the song was all about. And a lot of times we would do interviews back in the day and they would ask Blue, uh, is this from experience or you just wrote it? And he would never answer, he just laughed. He would just yeah. laugh. And I believe to Blue, it was something he had experienced. But the song was, was so universal because everybody who's ever been in love uh, have gone through a situation like this. And it was a true, true 
story. And I just instantly, when I heard it, I knew what it was all about and I knew how to deliver that song. I just closed my eyes. And, um, but there was one thing, Kiss and Say Goodbye, to show you how God works in mysterious ways. Come on now, come on now. Was a scratch vocal. I had not put my real vocal on. What? And the backgrounds were not complete. We had to do some things on the background. And when they released their record, Blue said, oh my God. Actually, Blue wrote it for a country and western artist. And when they said, we recorded it, and then Blue said, well, they said, they're going to release it. Blue said, oh my God, they're going to destroy us. Mm. They released the record with all the imperfections, and it made history. Mm. The first single wow. in the history of Columbia Records that sold two million copies. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Certified. Those were That's perfect awesome. imperfections. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kimmy. What's next? We're going to go ahead and play one of your songs. All right. Your favorites. Yes, yes, yes. Called Toby. Toby. <laughs> I got a question about this song, Jody, as soon as we get finished. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, that's uh, the Shy Lights, Toby, uh, from their album entitled uh, Toby, released in 1978, excuse mm -hmm. me, 1974. The song peaked at number 78. It was remade by Angie Griffin in 1989. And, and the million-dollar question that I have, uh, Gerald, is this. You know, back in the day, you guys made a lot of songs about love, about heartbreak, about relationships between men and women. Mm -hmm. The story I heard about this particular song was, was that it was a, a song about a dog. Is that true? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it, it, it caught me for a while. I used to listen to it. I'm so like, Toby, Toby, Toby. And yes, it is. It, wow. you know, I've heard two songs. But you know, Brandy. the way that the, mm -hmm. the Brandy mm -hmm. and the way that um, that Gene, Eugene Records delivered it, you could take it as it was a love song mm -hmm. and you could take it either way, you know, because for years, for a good while, I thought that Brandy was about a young girl. Lady. Mm -hmm. And then when I li really listened to the lyric, when he said he tripped over Brandy, you know, <laughs> and then I said, oh, 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 you know, um, that meant that he was talking about, or what was talking about a dog. And Toby is the same thing, but the, you know, it, it's a, it's a love song, and to me, it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. It goes both ways. You know, the love for a person and the love for your animal. So It's all love. Yes. It's all Universal. Love. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. What's next, Kim? First question. Marcus, did you know Brandy was about a dog? I had no idea. See, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I had no idea. <laughs> that used to be like one of the running jokes about that song, you know, that it was about a dog. Okay. So the next one is one of my favorites, New Birth Wildflower. Ah. Let her cry, she's a lady. Let her dream, but she is a child. Let the rain fall down upon her. She's a free and gentle flower. I used to play this song every day. Wow. You would think I was in my late 60s and 70s, but this was my song. So, <laughs> New Birth is an American funk and R&B group. It was originally conceived in Detroit, Michigan by former Motown songwriter, producer Vernon Bullock. Co-founded in Louisville, Kentucky by him with former singer and Motown songwriter producer Harvey Fuqua and musicians Tony Churchill, James Baker, Robin Russell, Austin Lander, Robert Lurch Jackson, Leroy Taylor, Charlie Hearden, Bruce Marshall, and Nathaniel Nebs. That's the whole group. Wow. And this was in 1974. You know any of those people are, Joe? I, <laughs> I met Harvey um, and also met the brothers from um, New Birth. And we worked together many times and they would sing this song. And if you were coming on after them, you could forget it. When they it. The audience was just wow. You could yeah, yeah. I think we've all about headed that way just from the little snippet that we just played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Was, I was about to go into the mic like. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I worked with them a few years ago in Philadelphia, maybe about three or four years ago. And about four years ago, and closed my eyes, and they sound exactly mm, mm, like that. Wow. Wow. Getting them high notes and everything. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, Lovely. next up will be one of Byron's favorites. And Byron, I have to tell you, when you first gave me this, I was like, who is this? And then I listened to it last night. Oh, I know this song. <laughs> Yes, indeed. One of my all-time favorites, more, more recent favorites, because it was released in 1990 from the group The Family Stand, which consisted of members Sandra St. Victor, Peter Loud Marlin, and B. Jeffrey. Sandra St. Victor, of course, came into the scene as one of the backup singers of Shaka Khan at one, one particular time. And uh, yeah, it came from their first album, The Chain, second single release after their first single, Ghetto Heaven. You all may be familiar mm -hmm. oh, with yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that song. And it was released during that summer of 1990, and it, it just flowed very well with the vibe at the time. And you know, that song has the shocker feel. Mm -hmm. It does. God, 
You know, I, at first I thought, because that's honestly, that's the first time I heard that. But but the the feel that I got, I said, that's shocking when she was like teeny boppers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, um, uh, you jogged my memory because I completely forgot yeah. about that song until yeah. I listened to it last night. That was a sleeper hit, actually. You yes, know, it was more, yes. more like R and B underground mm -hmm. type of hit for them. But yeah, it, it, it's a standout, nice similar to uh, Tony Tony Tony's music. Some of mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, what's next, Cam? We're gonna go back to the Manhattan's, where we should yep. always stay with. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna um, talk about "Shining Star." This was the song that reminds me of when we're driving down to Blakely, Georgia, from wherever we're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely have a question. Gerald, what comes to your mind? Just just now, I remembered the studio. I remember James Mack, the arranger, Leo Graham and Paul Richmond. Uh, Stu was the engineer. Tom was the assistant. And I remember us recording at a Universal studio in uh, Chicago. And... Um, Leo was a perfectionist. And when I heard, when we recorded the song, it was a bit high. And, and so I told Leo, I said, Leo, the song is high. And he said, I'm not going to lower it. Because <laughs> I want you to sing it in that range. He didn't want me to sing it in my natural range because it would have taken away what he wanted to hear. And it, was, it wasn't too high for me, actually. It was at the top of my range. And he wanted to limit me to going to that gospel thing on it. He wanted to be, what you hear is what he wanted to have. And um, I, was so, I was so thankful that he did because it showed another side of my vocal. And it's such a great song. It's such a great song. Absolutely. And it's the most important part about this song it was very, very simple. Mm. You know, you know, you're telling your, your your fiance or your spouse, or you know, you my shining star. You bright, you shine, you make my whole life shine. You are my shining star. Wow. And um, and you couldn't get it any simpler. And and it's like kiss and say goodbye. You, those two songs were something everybody could relate to everybody could relate to, you know. Um, it's one of those songs that we, we cannot leave the stage without singing it today. Absolutely. You don't sing, Better China, not. Yeah. you in trouble. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Gerald, now, I, I, I'm sorry, Marcus, cut you off, but 
uh, I will sh add to your story. Uh, what comes to mind every time I hear this song was when you all made the appearance on Solid Gold. <laughs> and oh. what stuck out with me were the smooth moves. I'm a dancer myself, so what stuck yeah. out with me were the smooth moves you all were doing and hitting the accent. So my question to you is, since you all were a major group of showmanship, because you all had like solid blocking and choreography, who did the choreography for you? Wow. The choreographer for Shining Star was the late um, uh, Bernard Johnson. Bernard was a Broadway dancer. And um, I think he did some choreography for the play for Color Girls when it, oh. when it first came out. And um, I remember Bernard, oh God, woo, Bernard was awesome. And he designed our, our co costumes. Oh. Every show that he choreographed for us, song or when the songs that he choreographed, he had an outfit that he made for us to go with, with that particular show that we could wear. And wow. He often, and he was short in statue, but he could dance. And we all called him Uncle B. <laughs> very nice, very nice guy. Absolutely. And you talk about choreography. You also, you guys also got a chance to work with one of the great choreographers in our uh, Jolly Atkins uh, yes. at Moat at Moat from Delight Motown Acts. I think the song Crazy that you guys performed. He did the choreography for that, if not mistaken. Yes, Pop did. He did oh. the choreography on that. And um Pop was what made Pop so great was that Pop didn't only choreograph songs on the drummer or accent, he might have heard the strings do something or the horns hit a lick that he wanted you to accent. That's what made the pips so great. That's what made the Temptations so great with their choreography. That's what made the OJs. And it also did the same thing for us because Pop was um, Pop was just awesome. And, and, and I gotta tell you one more story. When Troy and Dave joined the group, the new singers, well, they're not new now, they've been at 28 years. So when we worked with Pop for the first time, um, Blue told Pop, said, look, we're going to fool these guys because they think they know everything. So Blue pushed Pop out of the airport in Phoenix in a wheelchair. And um, so Pop said, Blue said, um, Pop, Here's Troy May, here's Dave Tyson. And um, they looked, they, they had to think, oh, wait, man, Pop ain't gonna, you know, he, he's not gonna do too much. So Pop said, well, we'll meet downstairs at eight o'clock in the conference room. When they got there, Pop was standing by the piano with his legs crossed, standing up with his feet crossed, you know, and with his dancing shoes on. He said, okay, fellas, let's get to work. And we called you crazy. Blew them away when Pop started showing us the choreography and how limber and how energetic he was. He said, Pop, we just saw you in a wheelchair. He said, Oh, that was just something. <laughs> but he tore us up in there. And he was, Pop was just great because he had that energy and he knew the song. When he grabbed it, he knew the song. He could tell you where you're supposed to be on certain words and certain beats, you know. That's how great he was. Yeah. Do we have crazy, Ken, by chance? 
By chance, we do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> video Edna she and she got her dancers she was dance she was doing um she, my wife was was a professional dancer and she got some young ladies that danced with her in Atlantic City wow and showgirls they came up and some of the dancers in New York a couple of dancers one or two from New York all of them they did there were is a we did it on the video it was at studio 54 and you see the ladies dancing those were her friends that she brought. And um, Pop did that. Oh, God, Pop had a step in with that. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, you all were moving in that video. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, uh, but Gerald, check it out. You know, we talked so much. You've been blessed us with so many stories about touring and uh, the songs. Um, uh, you guys are still touring, correct? Yes. All right. And uh, it's under the name, the Manhattan's featuring Gerald, Gerald Austin, correct? Yeah. All right. Now, do you all have any new music out or coming out? Any projects? We have um, we have a new CD titled "The Manhattans" featuring Gerald Alston. The legacy continues, and um, the new single is "She's Coming Home." Mm -hmm. This prior single single to that was "Get It Ready," and uh, unfortunately, the, the the pandemic has slowed us down with it. But we're getting ready to have a new resurgence of it, you know, um, uh, because it was difficult. It was very difficult to promote. We couldn't do the videos that we wanted. Now we got it coming up. We don't do it. But <laughs> guess what else? I'm not making no excuses. It's a great album. You can pick it up. Uh, it's on all the digital platforms. You can, um, you can actually order the physical CD from our website. Let's just kiss and say goodbye.com. And if you request an autographed copy, it will be autographed and sent to you. And you can also go to CD Baby and also order the physical product. Absolutely. Hey, Kim, we, we just so happen to have a little bit of that, uh, that, that single, don't we? Yes, we do. Let's start with Get It Ready. Let's All do right. it. Get Ready. <laughs> <laughs> We can take our time So very special We can let our imagination go Go places we haven't been in a while Relax, kick back, and let it flow Get it ready I'm on my way home Nothing else on my mind. Yeah. Please, baby. Let's make this an evening. We'll never forget. That's a foot topper. Uh, That's it, a foot topper. It, it, 
it really is. And it's amazing how you guys are, are able to bridge the gap between the yesteryears and today. And, and y'all, yeah. you still sound wonderful, Gerald, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, you, you really still sound wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, uh, that one was called, what, Kim? Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Now, now, who was on the production on that, on that, on that track? Well, um, it was written by um, Curtis Dukes and myself. And Curtis produced, basically produced the whole album. He's our keyboard player. And um, we put it all together. We wrote Get It Ready and we wrote She's Coming Home. And um, also our keyboard player, other keyboard player, he produces, uh, Colt Younger. And he wrote, uh, we wrote, Colt, myself and Troy wrote uh, What About You? So, but um, Curtis is the producer of the album. All right. And Speaking all of my guys, by the way, all of uh, my organization had a hand in it. Our sound man mixed it. Um, She's coming home. And and what about you? Our band played on basically all the material that we cut new. Absolutely. Speaking and of she's coming. Speaking of she's coming home, we got a little bit of that as well. Let's go into that, Kami. To know that she feels the same I know why you're looking, fellas But please, don't waste your time You can talk all you want to talk But please remember, the girl is mine No, I don't care what people say Thank you. That sounds like one of them pimp songs there, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah, but you know, that's what I, she chose I, me. She, she chose song me. All the song it expresses, um, I mean, everybody can have their little thing, but what the song was really written about was that I was so confident in my lady that I could say this. I would take her with me on the, on the gig, a performance date, and we may be in a club, you know, and first of all, she's going to be dressed to kill. She's shopping. Mm-hmm. She, she comes in, and everybody, all the guys looking, and the minute I step away from the table, they start easing the number to her or trying to get over to say something to her, and I just told the fellas, look, you can talk all you want to, you can give her your number, you can rap all you want to, but at the end of the night, she's coming home with me. Well, all right. <laughs> I know where it all happened. Yeah. And she feels the same way. So Absolutely. Again, it sounds like it's a great album. Again, uh, the album is available on all streaming platforms. It's uh, by the Manhattans featuring Gerald Austin. The legacy continues. Again, great album. Everybody should, when you get a chance, go copy it. All right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's get back into the playlist, Kim, shall we? Sure. How about the OJ's Love Train? Yeah, all over the world.
That song was released back in 1972. It peaked at number one on all the charts. Uh, we talked earlier about Norman Whitfield, one of the great songwriters of Motown, but this was also done, uh, written by a great, another great songwriting team, uh, Gamble and Huff. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, they wrote a lot of classics for a lot of artists. They did. Um, um, did you have any um, interaction with them, uh, Gerald? With the uh, Gamble and Huff? Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we went, in fact, we, before we signed with Columbia Records, um, we went to Gambling Philly International. We had a meeting and we wanted to sign with them and unfortunately it didn't work out. So we ended up signing with Columbia Records and getting the late, great Bobby Martin as the producer. And Bobby was one of the arrangers and producers uh, he was the one of the range. He was the arranger for um, Love Train, and um, Bobby was a great producer. He, uh, Harold Melvin, Blue Notes, Three Degrees, uh, Lou Rawls, all of them. He did arrangements for, and um, so we had him as our producer, and um, it turned out to be even better. Absolutely. And and to uh, to add another note as far as the OJ's. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I remember working with the OJs for the first time, and um, one of our singers, Richie, told me, he said, Gerald, you gotta watch Eddie. He said, Eddie sings the way you sing, but with more emotion, more feeling. And what I, what I saw was that Eddie not only sang with emotions from his voice, he sang physically. He moved physically. And um, he really impressed me. And I used to watch him and watch him and watch him because he never ceased to amaze me on stage. He, he has to be, I mean, he has to be one of the most emotional singers, you know, vocally and, emo and physically that I've seen. You know, you see people dance and do stuff. No, he, he just got it going on. You know, he's just got it there. And I fortunately had the chance to do a show with him um, called, we had a tour called Timeless Horses with Eddie Levert, myself, and Dennis Edwards. Mm. And, um, we did the, the Tom Groner, the uh, Soul Train Cruise. Not Soul mm -hmm. Tom, Tom Joyner. Tom right. We did that cruise together. And, oh, God, it was like magic when we came on stage to sing. Wow. It was like magic. Wow. Um, again, Dennis Edwards, one of the lead uh, singers of The Temptations. Uh, may he rest in peace. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and moving on. Uh, what we got next, Kim? What you see is what you get. <laughs> what you see is what you get. is
that was again what you see is what you get by the dramatics released in 1971 uh it reached number three on the r&b charts and peaked at number nine on the top 100 uh it was also sampled later on by big daddy kane as well as uh, rudy ray moore you know on the album called big daddy kane versus rudy ray moore and um that song that's my theme song I, that is my thing. So go ahead, go ahead, Joe. When I first, the first time that we worked with the dramatics that I remember was at Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. And we came in going, we were going to sound check. And I heard this beautiful singing and beautiful harmony. They were in the dressing room singing a cappella. Killing it. I forgot what song they were singing. Um, they were killing it. Oh my God. And it sounded awesome. It might have been what you see is what you get. But they were singing it a cappella. Wow. And it was awesome. And um, God, they came on stage and just like turned it out. Turned it out. And we became good friends. Our groups became real good friends. What yeah. was it about those groups back then, um, around in that vein, uh, from the early 70s? We saw a lot of male groups with the similar styling, with you know, mm -hmm. with the, the choreography. What was it about that, that, uh, that styling and, 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 and the ingredients of those type of uh, setups as far as you, groups? You, you know, what was good about that, it, 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 it showed where we were from. Because mm. the, they were from Detroit, the Michigan area. We were from New Jersey. Um, the Dells was from Chicago. You know, the stylistics from Philadelphia. And we all did choreography and we all were competitive. But it was friendly. It was a friendly uh, competition. We would go on stage. We would sit back and say, we're going to burn you up. You know, we're going to get you, uh, you know. But we, it made us go out, everybody go out at the top of their game, at the top of their game. And now somebody I have not mentioned, but the ones, the group that you did not want to mess with <laughs> were the Dells. Oh, we had a whole yeah. discussion about the Dells a while oh, ago. Yeah, we did. In we did. heaven, they were awesome, and and they were when on on the road they became my mentor. When we worked with them, I used to go down to the room, and they would they were the type of guys because they know I wanted to hear what they had to say because I believed and trusted them their opinion, and. I would go in there and, and Marvin would say, little man, you didn't sound like nothing tonight. What's wrong with you? But he would tell me what went wrong. And, you know, he wouldn't pull no punches. And Johnny Carter wouldn't. Chuck Boxdale wouldn't. Vern or Mickey. They said what was on their mind. And um, it was a really inspiration to me because you got so many other artists that we worked with. Man, you got to sound great. No one we didn't sound worth diddly. We have bad nights. Right. But the Dells would put it to you exactly the way it was, you know. And um, to this day, well, I still talk to Vernon and Mickey, but they were awesome. They were just one of those groups that gave it to you like it was. Unfortunately, they didn't get the break like they deserved. Mm -hmm. They were bigger than the break that they got. 
Exactly. And it's funny you say that, you know, in a world we live in with, you know, the cancel culture mm-hmm. is, is so prominent. You, do you think, because the, the Dells were, was a great group of singers and they had a couple of hits, but but never really reached the fame as maybe a Manhattans or the OJs or the Temptations. The temptations. Yeah, right, right, right. Do you feel like you know, the fact that they said, said what they felt uh, played a part in it? People yeah, they, they, and they were one that stuck together. They were a true group. They stuck together. And now I was listening, reading the history. Now I may be incorrect, but I'm going to say it. Um, but the original stuff that was written, the, first of all, the Dales were supposed to sign with Philly International. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff you heard on the beginning by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Mm. A couple of those songs were for the Dells. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, and it didn't work out. And I read something to that effect, um, and it didn't work out with the Dells. But um, the, the Dells was, they were a group that I consider um, the best. They stuck together. They stuck to what they believed in. And um, they were successful. Don't get me wrong. They were successful. Um, and they kicked butt when they walked on stage. You know, when you work with the Dells, you have to pack your lunch <laughs> and bring your A game <laughs> all the time, all the time. Hey, even still now, when you when you when you when you step on the stage with the uh, Manhattan, you got to bring your lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Gerald, I have a question for you. Since you were talking about how the other groups mentored and how you all looked out for each other Mm -hmm. during that time, have you been able to mentor any of the uh, more recent groups, maybe like Boys and Men or New Edition? Were you able to rub elbows with them? Yeah, we had um, more so it was um, New Edition. Mm. You know, I had a chance to talk to them and when, um, in fact, they signed with my management when they first oh, wow. um, started with new management. They signed with our manager, our new management. And I used to go and talk to them, you know, um, and and just give them advice and, and try to show them the way. And a lot of groups did. Gladys used to talk to them. She had a chance to talk to them. Um, Khalil left for... Um, their former um, um, road manager was an awesome dude. And um, he took good care of those guys. And wherever he worked, whenever we were on the show, they would have to have a little conference with us or whoever group they were working with just to get the idea of what was going on. And it paid off because look at the success that they've had. You know, and um, I also talked to boys, to men. Um, briefly, we were in... Um, was it, it was in, um, we did Soul by the Sea. And, mm. and um, they were there. And and we, I think we sung a little bit together. We was waiting to go into rehearsal. And these guys, if I started a song, I think I started singing somebody Temptations. They fell right in, took it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I had a chance to talk to them as well. But they had, they, you know, they grew and they, they've grown to be great singers, great artists, you know, and um, I admire them very much. I admire them very much. And the success that they have, 
um, New Edition and Boys to Men have, they deserve every bit of it. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as you were talking, I was wondering how come neither one of us thought of New Edition to put on the playlist? But how exactly. you did you, <laughs> but he did. But, but he, did, he did. He did. He thought yeah. of Boys to Men. And uh, I think now would be a perfect time to play that one, Kim. Unless you were uh, living up under a rock in 1992, uh, there, there, <laughs> there's no way you didn't hear the song. It, it broke every every record as far as uh, Chop Toppers. It's probably the biggest single to date by Boys to Men. Reached number one on all of the charts. Nate Mike Sean and one um, again continued success at, throughout this uh, throughout the process of going forward in their music careers. And again, Gerald, you said um, they. Did you say, was it New Edition of them that signed to your label originally? I'm sorry. Oh, no, it was New Edition. They didn't sign to my label. They, when they left Boston, management. management in Boston, they went with our management. Okay. And um, and that's how I got to meet them. Um, and and they were, they are, they're awesome too. Believe me. Believe me. We recorded on our live album, South Live in South Africa, we recorded End of the Road. Mm. Wow, wow, yeah. absolutely. That's I awesome. would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's Manhattan's live in South Africa. All right, all right. So what we got next, Kim? Um, Atlantic Star, I wonder if y'all know this one. Uh-oh, here we go. Mm. It's getting good. Our love has stood through all my tests of time. Yes, it has. If you plan it to leave me behind, oh, let me put one more thing on your mind. If you ever leave me, baby, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, I recorded that. <laughs> Did you now? that up right there. You know what? And you know what was uh, ironic about the whole thing? Um, Nick Martinelli produced it on me, and he produced it on Atlantic Star. All right. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, Atlantic Star sent for me peach number sixteen on the Billboard R&B charts. In 1981, another group that was part of the soundtrack of our lives, but was successfully remade with a beautiful rendition by none other than Mr. Gerald Austin. And here we go. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean a thing when you and I. 
about I mentioned earlier a couple of times knowing the song not just the lyrics mm. but it, to me <clears throat> you know, I was listening to the Atlantic Star version and listening to your version and I kind of closed my eyes and, and and I was able to the song became more intimate when you sang it because you actually know the song yeah. I mean I, I, and, I, and I like your version better Gerald Osborne. I'm not saying that because you're sitting in front of me right now uh, but <laughs> but uh I, I like your version better and um which which version came out first yours or uh, Atlantic Star Atlantic Stars came out first okay. um yeah okay and so what was the reason why you came behind to record your own version well we were when we were putting that particular album together we were wanted to do something uh, Nick had asked me about doing a song, a nice, a nice cover song. And I remember that song. I loved it. And I said, I'd like to do it. And he, and that's when he told me that he had produced the original. And um, he had an idea and he put it together. And I did all the backgrounds um, on that particular song. He had me do all the backgrounds, everything. Um, and, and um, I just love Nick's version of it. And I knew the song. I knew yep. the song. Absolutely. And, and um, it was just a, a very good song. You know, it, it, it comes from the heart because of what it's saying. And, you know, speaking of that, we're doing a cruise next April. Really? Okay. And Atlantic okay. Star is on the cruise with us. Oh. <laughs> Is this no, the Soul Train the cruise? cruise or? Yeah. No, this is the Latin Soul Cruise. Actually, it's going to be, um, well, I just say the Latin Soul Cruise because we just did it. And so they, they we're doing it in April. And it's going to have Zap, Atlantic Star, Manhattans. There's a whole bunch of us. I would love wow. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kim, what's next? We're going to play one of Byron's. Bye. One of my favorite groups as well, Loose Ends. Yeah. <laughs> A groove, a groove, a groove. It was yes. taken from Loose End's second album, So Where Are You, released in 1984, 85 time frame. Solid, solid hit. Great yeah. performance on the charts. Uh, peaking at number one on the R&B charts, number 12 on the dance charts, as well as number 43 on the uh, Hot 100. 
You know, they had their own sound. Yes, there was they nothing did. like it. You know, Nobody. they had they had the funk, they had it all mixed up there together. But it was them, you know. Um, even you, you've heard people, I've heard people sing their songs, but it's not right. It's it's <laughs> not. You got to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh what's next, Kim? Go ahead. We're gonna take it back to Mr. Austin. All right. Take me where you want to, Byron. Oh, yes, yes. How I feel about you, baby. Forever yours. Just let the feeling flow. Sophisticated soul, right there. It was sultry and sexy soul. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That song was written by Stan Shepard and produced by, I forgot the other writer, Stan Shepard, Jimmy Vonner produced it. They produced it together. Jimmy did some of the arrangements. And I have fond memories of that because that was the very first song that I recorded for my first debut album. And I flew out from Newark and went through Denver and my flight got delayed, Denver. And I got there, they were waiting for me in the studio. And I just walked in, dropped my bag, walked in and Don hit the button. Don Evans was his name, he was an engineer. He hit the button, play, and I did that song in one take. Wow. Dang it, when I came out, there were tears and Bill, Bill, the late Bill Dern had tears and, and Don was saying, I don't believe, look, man, I got goosebumps, you know, and um, one take. And so Stan said, try it again. I went out there to try it again. I said, Stan, it ain't happening. It's not happening because I was ready. It was just mm -hmm. like, I know the song. I know what it's all about. But sometimes, um, you have to know when to quit. And once you get it, um, you can't capture that anymore. You know, there, there are three or four times that I've recorded and um, I went in the studio and I remember we recorded Don't Say No to Love with Maury Brown. And we, I went in the studio and sang the song down. And the producers, well, they're the ones who did the vocals, they had me sing this song a thousand times. And guess what track they used? The first one. The very first one. Wow. Gerald, I will say this. I have two <clears> things. <throat> the video treatment of the song was perfect. It matched the vibe of, of, of the song yeah. altogether. And my favorite part of this song is your outro bounce. Because mm -hmm. you're just you're just sending that message, and I just love how I mean you sing the song so beautifully. I'm mean, just, just like all of your songs, but the outro vamps on this song mm -hmm. takes it 
Like it just yeah. delivers the message. It just takes oh, yeah. it over the top. Thank yeah. you for that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Gerald, uh, it's getting close to that time. We know you got to get, get out of here. You got um, some other things to do. Um, do you got time for, for one more song? Sure. Okay. Okay. Oh, Give yeah. me some, Kim. All right. If this being going to be our last song, we need to play another Gerald Austin then. Let's do it then. remember the writers we wrote it it was three of us oh my god the names is a loot on our looting me but i remember um um we wrote the song and the producer um and the, the r&b the, the the um the guy was in charge of r&b kevin hayward we came in and had the lyrics he said lyrics not strong enough he said, go back, rewrite it, and sing it tomorrow. We okay. left the studio, went back, rewrote the song, came back the next day, and that's what you hear. Wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, that's really awesome. And he was right. He was right. Because some of the stuff that we had was like, didn't fit the groove and didn't fit the meaning of the song. He said, you guys got it right. You can do it better. And we back and we, the three of us sat down. We rewrote the song and came back, and the rest is history. Absolutely. Mr. Gerald, you forgive me if I get a little emotional, but we don't we really don't want to see you go, but we understand that you have to go. Please promise that you'll come back. We'll come back. Okay, okay, one day. Uh, when you're not too busy, you know, go ahead. It's one thing I like to say, you know, um, I've been singing for 51 years, but I don't only sing. I am the spokesperson, the celebrity spokesperson for OIC of America. It's an organization that was founded by Leon, Dr. Leon Sutherland out of Philadelphia back in the 60s. This organization is organization that he put together to help unemployed, underemployed, disadvantaged people get back on their feet. And in short, what it what he does, what it does is that they'll train you, they'll educate you, show you how to do um, interviews, how to dress. And that, you know, in some cases, they even place you in a job. And, and um, also they have a program called SOAR for the justice involved, people that are incarcerated or just got out of jail or people that are um, uh, foster, kids that are fostered. Um, also people that um, is fostered and what was the other one? Anyway, they help you get back on your feet and become more, um, productive in society. And um, the if you want to know more about it, you can go on oicofamerica.org and you'll find out everything about it. You know, and it's a wonderful organization. And um, I have a friend that I told that we were talking one day 
And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm the spokesperson for OIC of America. She said, oh my God, oh my God. That's how I got my job. And she wow. became the first black to work in uh, National Bank in Columbia, South Carolina. Wow. Um, awesome, awesome. Of America. Awesome, awesome. Again, thank you so much for that. Uh, OIC.org, is that, is that what it's called? Yes, OIC. OIC.org. Uh-huh. OIC OIC Again, Gerald Austin, I guess, on the Good Good Experience podcast. Again, Gerald, we thank you so much again for being on our program. You know, we use this platform to try to help preserve the good music that we all grew up and listened to. And we would love uh, I'll be contacting you probably sometime after the podcast. Maybe we can talk to some of your friends that you grew up in the music business with. If you got their contacts or whatnot, maybe we can bring them on to tell some tell some of those stories. None of those stories are probably top of your stories. But <laughs> 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 we care together. Exactly, exactly. Again, we thank you so much. Again, also, ladies and gentlemen, the album, the new album by the Manhattan's featuring Gerald Austin is out. It is available for streaming called The Legacy Continues. Make sure you go cop that as well. On behalf of myself, Kimmy, Byron B. Note Brown, hey, Gerald Austin been our guest on the Good Good Experience Concert. Thank you so much, Mr. Austin. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank All you. right. All right. Be safe.